0: such a time as this, The Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to The Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America, and I'm here with part three of the Pottinger series by UK investigative journalists. Johnny Vedmore. And if you missed the first two shows, please go back to the archive on America Out Loud Talk Radio or at www.whistleblowerreports.org and catch part one and part two. The Pottinger role in the cover up of major scandals in the United States since over the past 50 years is truly staggering. And what's unique about this man is that he is currently representing the victims of Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking enterprise. But if you dig into his history, as UK investigative journalist Johnny Vedmore has done, you find that he had dealings with Jeffrey Epstein going back many years and, in fact, was involved running guns with Epstein and has participated in, at the highest levels of the United States government, involved in the cover-up of some of the biggest scandals in in our, uh, certainly in my lifetime, Everything from Watergate to the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King, Iran-Contra, Kent State, the October surprise, and Epstein's sex trafficking empire. And the question we still are asking is, why would the man involved as a hidden player in creating Epstein's empire now be the lawyer representing the victim's? To me, it seems like that is a massive conflict of interest. And there are just a lot more pieces of this puzzle that Johnny Vedmore is going to be discussing today. So, Johnny, thank you for joining us for part three. And I do hope everyone will go back and listen to part one and part two and read these incredibly in-depth, well-documented Research articles that you've posted on your website, newspaced.com. So, thank you for being with us again.
1: Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for putting up with me going on about US history in such a way and such. Uh, such lengths because I wasn't expecting to to be honest at the beginning of this year if you had uh, asked me whether or not Watergate or Martin Luther King or Kent State Massacre or the standoff at Wounded Knee or Orlando Letelier and CIA domestic surveillance or Iran-Contra or the October surprise would be on the list of things that I would have to learn about in detail and discover about I would have said Probably, actually, because that's what I do. I go <laughs> delving through history. And um, I, I, I really wanted to uh, understand the roots of this man, Jay Stanley Pottinger. Um, and that's been an adventure. So the first part, the Pottinger identity, of course, looked at his brother, looked at his father um, and looked at his own rise. J. Stanley Pottinger's own rise as part of the Justice Department, as part of the Director of Civil Rights Um, And then eventually leaving uh, that after being involved, like you say, in some of the biggest cover-ups in history and going on to privately run, be a compliance officer really for big companies Um, and eventually be central, center in Iran-Contra and October Surprise, literally a central role in Iran-Contra. And what people, a lot of people don't know is that in 1980, um, at the same time that Stanley Pottinger was organizing, literally organizing at a base level, the start of of the armed smuggling um, in Iran-Contra. Jeffrey Epstein was funding uh, Adnan Khashoggi um, uh, d- a- as part of the same enterprise um and Adnan Khashoggi of course was um uh, very close associates at that time uh, through the the gun running with um Cyrus Hashemi who was Jay Stanley Pottinger's not only was it his it was his client at his law firm um but uh, uh Cyrus Hashemi was also in business with Jay Stanley Pottinger Jay Stanley Pottinger had investment of a hundred thousand uh per, dollars in Cyrus Hashemi's uh bank at the time. So obviously he's got links that go back to Jeffrey Epstein a long way and we learnt in the Pottinger supremacy, the second part about all of those links with uh, Iran-Contra and the October surprise and where we left last time was around 1986 where he's had to lay low in Mexico. Uh, People like Rudy Giuliani and making uh, statements about Pottinger's involvement in Iran-Contra still in 1985, 1986, uh, saying that they might still have to look into his involvement and stuff. So he had to lay low and he went to Mexico for a bit. But by 1987, he was up and running again. But this Pottinger ultimatum, we're going to head towards what is officially the takedown of Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, We're going to head towards that. And that has... Uh, a certain prep work and that's what really i think the legal uh case against jeffrey epstein it was uh, more of a, dist- uh, a a way to distract everybody as much as possible all of it's true is like you know a lot of it's true not all of it a lot of uh, what what jeffrey epstein did like 99% of everything they say about jeffrey epstein's sex trafficking network is true but the majority of what he was doing was intelligence-linked operations uh big money operations he was working for some of the biggest people in the world some of the biggest names some of the biggest families hidden behind the scenes he was an incredible fixer at the highest level and he was involved in some of the most scandalous affairs to ever happen and of course it, it was in everybody's interests for epstein to remain low profile but however and this is how we start off the Pottinger ultimatum in march 2005 the first official police investigation of jeffrey epstein began and that was after a family of a 14 year old girl reported that she had been molested at his palm beach residence and uh the police investigating um uh, there was one policeman i can't remember his name uh, but he was a very good guy obviously because he wouldn't let it go he wouldn't let it lie well in fact Jeffrey Epstein already knew something like this was coming because in 2002 he had raised his profile massively uh, by having um, high profile trips with uh, former President Clinton in 2002 where he flew to both uh, Asia first and then Africa later on in the year uh, Africa they went with Kevin Spacey of course a, a disgraced actor who was then um, you know a darling of this stage and screen um, and Chris Tucker and a, a few other people people like Casey Who was a um, a son of, uh, grandson of Lou Vasseman, who's quite a big person in American history? Um, You know, these people flew on the plane. And Epstein said himself, you know, I had to quote him, if my ultimate goal was to stay private, traveling with Clinton was a bad move on the chessboard. He said, I recognize that now. This was just afterwards, at the end of 2002. But he said, but you know what? Even Kasparov makes them, you move on. But he knew in 2005, It 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 come clear that there was reports going into the police and the police started investigating. That would lead to loads of questions and that would lead to questions to the big people he represented. And so there was an ultimatum that was formed. And this is why this is called the Pottinger Ultimatum, because if Epstein took no action, the consequences would be dire. So in 2005, he took all of the action. He took every bit of action that he possibly could. He co-opted both sides of the legal teams and in 2009 that culminated in the investigation leading him to him doing supposed prison time which consisted of around 12 months in jail of an 18-month sentence where he had set up a non- uh, non-profit um, organization that was to run out of the jail gave money to the jail so that he could have the cell door left open and that he could go to work whenever he liked do his business as usual and was allowed to leave on certain occasions and basically wasn't in prison at all and that's that's
0: staggering
1: that's just staggering, isn't it? And, and you know, it was every single side. He had managed to infiltrate the prosecution, the defense, the judges, the attorney generals, everybody, every single level was completely co-opted. Everybody who was put into that first trial was in on it i mean it was just insane how they how he, he managed to infiltrate it so it was pretty clear it was hard to get epstein and tie him down and he had basically got away with it i mean he was known by that time uh there was still articles and stories going to be coming out about him after 2009 where they were saying oh he's a nasty guy he's a nasty guy but it wasn't until until 2014 where um, uh, another case started behind the scenes. Uh, Virginia Gouffre uh, was questioned in Australia in 2013, and that would lead her to returning um, to uh, America in 2014 and teaming up with certain lawyers, uh, one Bradley Edwards, and this would eventually lead him to J. stanley pottinger and 2014 pottinger would become involved in the Epstein case who coming out of relative retirement uh retirement um of of the other uh career he had built in the meantime which i can tell you about now um because after J. stanley pottinger went into hiding um he was obviously you know he obviously had to keep a low profile um uh, but by 1987 he 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 was back on the scene i mean the um people involved in um, watergate had been uh given a pardon in by Reagan and then people involved in Iran Contra were given a pardon by uh, Bush senior eventually so by 1987 he kind of knew that that was coming because um Bush George H.W. Bush was of course his best friend so it wasn't like he was going to be forgotten if if he needed his friend's help he was definitely going to be pardoned at the end of Bush's time in office in the the early 90s so I, I Stanley Pottinger just stopped worrying about stuff in 1987 um I think he saw the future was definitely his um, and he started to be involved in other things he was involved in the united nations association advisory committee for multilateral projects which sounds like an operation in itself and i can't find any details on it all he was uh, he became a trustee of the lawyers committee for civil rights who if you look on their website um have this wonderful video image uh that runs um and includes a statue of dr martin luther king that who pottinger d- uh, helped cover up uh, the assassination of um just uh, a decade before, so uh, just over a decade well, before. Well,
0: tell so. us about that, Johnny. Um, tell us more about how Pottinger facilitated the cover-up of the assassination of Martin Luther King and who was behind it.
1: Well, you see, um, a, a lot of the people, now that's that—that's a much bigger question because I'd have to go uh, into a lot of um, more detail to say who was behind it. Um, but basically, um, there was an operation by the FBI for at least uh, eight years, six to eight years, I think it was, um, that ran uh, uh, right up until his death that included uh, having a hand in the involvement in the organization of what was claimed to be his assassination the people who were claimed to assassinated him that later kind of got revealed um in other committees later on now what pottinger's role in this was which is what i studied on this because like i say if i wanted to be an expert in each one of these by the beginning of the year well i would have said no that's impossible and it is impossible i can't be an expert but i can know what i know and what i discovered and what pottinger's um involvement with uh, Martin Luther King was, was looking through the, I think it was 8,000 FBI documents to see if there was any sign of any harassment or conspiracy to see Martin Luther King assassinated. And he found that there was no conspiracy at all to be found in any of those documents. Now, we know later on um, through uh, two different official I can't remember what the the, the ones um, referred to, but uh, the family prosecuted a certain person at one point when they actually went and talked to um, James Earl Ray, uh, one of Martin Luther King's sons, um, went to went to prison and said, "Did you kill my father?" And he said, "No." And he said he believed him, and they believed that it was this other guy. So they um, uh, basically started a private prosecution against him, um, uh, which they won. And then they were, there was also it was also decided that there was a conspiracy in another case. So it's pretty clear that the eight thousand documents and the research that that uh, Pottinger had done to sign off the no conspiracy found. Uh, in the 1960s um, had obviously missed all of the facts hadn't it? And it was very convenient and it's the same thing he did with Watergate and it's the same thing he did with Kent State Now whether Kent State was an actual conspiracy is hard to know because it was so controlled at all the time so i you know i i'm i intend to go through both the assassinations of jfk uh or, or all of the assassinations jfk rfk and mlk um at a later date i want to go through those in detail i want to try and find all the evidence and all of the the things that haven't been found so far um but when it comes down to J. stanley pottinger's involvement he was very much looking through the massive evidence and um, finding that there was nothing to find, which wasn't, of course, quite true. But if we go to where Pottinger is when we leave him, I mean, he's been UN councils. He's working as a by 1987. He's working as a consultant for the Rockefeller Foundation. So he's obviously finding his feet with the right people, and he's obviously done his work very nicely because he's being rewarded with positions. Um, and if we skip forward to the midnight nights, because there's a hell of a lot to discuss here, and I'm I'm going to have to go quite fast through some of this because um, there's so much here. He was being interviewed by a, um, a lady called paul a span about his new career move because he was becoming a best-selling author he had just written um, a piece called the fourth procedure and he had started this journey towards being an author in 1990 in actual fact in 1989 and 1990 he had bought two houses one house and this is going to be very interesting one house was uh, twin lakes in uh, south salem near new york um and the other house cost him 2.5 million and was in uh, palm beach in Florida, and it was six one six Island Drive. Now, also in nineteen ninety, being advertised at the same open house uh, auctions um, uh, where you could go view go view on certain days, these houses advertised in the newspapers multiple times next to each other was Jeffrey Epstein's house in three five eight or I think it's three five eight Albio Way uh, in Palm Beach. These houses were both being sold in 1990, next to each other. They were literally next to each other. They were 500 meters away from each other. So Epstein, in 1990, had bought a house in Palm Beach. And in the same year, Stanley Pottinger had bought a house 500 meters as the crow flies, 500 meters away from jeffrey epstein so not so basically only basically
0: had... next door neighbors
1: yeah yeah and the person as a crow flies the person who was in between them is the person who eventually um after epstein's death buys Elbrio away uh uh destroys it um uh, and builds a new house on it and sells it on that's the person who lives in between them as the crow flies so he's kind of involved as well uh, El Brillo Way Brio Way was designed by a designer called John Volk and John Volk had also designed Paradise Island which was George Henton and Hartford's island resort in the um 50s late 50s and early 60s he was the A.M.P. Um, uh, grocery chain heir, uh, a uh, very rich guy very weird and I had one, I'd written an article about him this March just in march um which was entitled the original jeffrey epstein so he had had john volk design his whole, whole island and that was the same person who had designed jeffrey epstein's house in 1954 so that's another amazing piece of synchronicity um, that, that's been involved in this but yeah pottinger became um, and the whole family i mean matthew pottinger paul pottinger um all of the pottingers they were all living uh in registered down in 616 uh, island drive just across the way from uh, jeffrey epstein so that already this is you know this is a uh, something that no one else really knows but w- the article i mentioned earlier he's sitting down and he's talking about his new career um and this career had been you know this is why he had bought these houses he had bought these two houses to go into retirement and become a best-selling author you know um and paula span wrote this article um called the fourth act of span- stanley pottinger and um and they're sitting, she she quotes someone who's sitting with him in the room at the time as they're having the interview. Someone who, who says... Um... Uh, talks about potter he says he reinvents him every himself every few years but his ability to land on his feet and turn in a stellar performance is unusual he has a golden touch kind of like Goldfinger. you know it's it this is warren dennis who's former justice department colleague he was also a member of the anti-defamation league and he was responsible for basically representing every former secret service agent um in history uh, including during the impeachment proceedings um he was also uh, serving as outside counsel for the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children at the time which i find extremely interesting that these people who run in circles with international child traffickers are also outside counsel for the national center for missing and exploited children um so obviously pottinger had some interesting friends and was was uh, i mean they were neighbors epstein and pottinger were neighbors that's never been discovered but on the 22nd of july 1990 he um pottinger bought 616 island drive and registered a um a business called cult Communication. Inc there uh but a few days later back dating it um so he'd obviously you know he he, he had uh, it, we'll find out later as well he admitted working in the same office as Jeffrey Epstein in the early 80s um and that's during the time where he was supposed to be running arms in um, Iran or for, to, to Iran. Um, so so obviously there's loads of links between Jeffrey Epstein over the past 40 years. Uh, and it, it's like a cherry on the cake to find out that they were neighbors too. But but Stanley Pottinger went off into a career from 1995, he started writing. He released, a, or, or um- Night Night, he started writing. 1995, he released right. a fourth procedure. It became a bestseller. He got right. mm-hmm. on a Charlie Rose show even to publish it. Uh, publicize it uh, he then he, he produced um a slow burning in 2000 final procedure 2002 the last Nazi in 2003 the boss in 2005 which was republished again in 2006 and by this point things were changing things were changing stanley pottinger would probably have to stop writing these books and um, go back into uh, his career in intelligence. There's a few things that I think knocked him out of this semi-retirement that he was in. And one of them was Bob Woodward, um, the old Washington Post journalist who had written a book called The Secret Man, which explained about um, who Deep Throat was and his relationship with uh, Deputy Director W. Mark Felt. Um, And he says something very interesting in the book. Um, He talks about Stanley Pottinger. And uh, let, let me quote uh, a little bit of, um, uh, of this in The Secret Man, Woodward doesn't only reveal the identity of Washington Post main source known as Deep Throat for Watergate as being the former FBI's deputy director W. Mark Felt. He also explains Pottinger's vital role in hiding this information woodward explains that in 1976 the then assistant attorney general stanley pottinger had revealed to him that felt had given his secret identity away while testifying before a grand jury the washington post reported in june 2005 that asked were you deep throat felt initially said no but this his stunned look alerted pottinger to the possibility he was lying same article also states in the grand jury proceeding woodward writes pottinger quietly reminded felt that he was under oath he then 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 offered to withdraw the question as irrelevant to the subject of the investigation, which was illegal break-ins conducted by the FBI in pursuit of the anti-war radicals from the Weather Underground. Felt quickly accepted the offer. Pottinger told Woodward, who didn't confirm or deny his conclusions, that he would keep the knowledge to himself. To his credit, Woodward writes, he did just that. So this is an example of Pottinger covering up information and hiding uh, facts in real time fine as he goes along so while he was assistant attorney general he works out who the main person who was given the information who the main informant for um and known as deep throat is for the watergate scandal that would be massively important yet he actually puts it down and uh, says i will put it down as um irrelevant to the investigation to the subject of the investigation when in actual fact things like that were more relevant to the investigation than anything else possibly could be uh, if you wanted to get to the truth but that's not what he's after so that came out in 2005 2006 you know there's a little bit of action happening but one of the big things is that like i said at the start 2005 jeffrey epstein is um arrested oh he's charged Um, And they want to send him to uh, a special court. And in 2006, eventually, that's when he's arrested. um, uh, And the grand jury indicts him on a single account of soliciting uh, uh, prostitution. Um, uh, just to mention, at the same time, uh, in about 2007, um, Stanley Pottinger is mentioned in a newspaper. He's not mentioned much in newspapers by this point. Um, and he's mentioned next to his son, Matthew Pottinger, who's returning from the Anbar province, um, and they're attending some um uh, festivity, some concert, uh, but he'll play an important part later. But after the break, um, uh, we can talk about um, the involvement in the legal teams of Jeffrey Epstein and how Stan Pottinger managed to infiltrate the legal team of uh, Jeffrey Epstein's victims, the bulk, bulk of them at least.
0: Yes, I think our audience is going to have a lot of questions about that. And it's it's really just quite eye-opening the degree to which these cover-ups were managed by an attorney who took an oath to serve the rule of law. And and the last Mm -hmm. point about while he was assistant attorney general, that he actually participated in part of the cover-up related to Watergate. And There's a lot that's come out more about Watergate and how Kissinger had set up so much of that. And it was all part of the design to get Richard Nixon out of office because Nixon, like JFK, like Ronald Reagan and like President Trump, was standing against the military industrial complex and against the deep state. And so much of what Americans have been told about all of this turns out to be a lie, exactly like they've been doing, government officials have been doing during the COVID pandemic. So this is all very, and then to see the threads weaving together with the connections between Pottinger and business relationships with Jeffrey Epstein from decades ago, and now representing the victims. I still find it hard to see how that can possibly be ethical under our traditional legal practices. But Mm -hmm. we'll hear more about that after the break. This is Dr. Lee for America with the Whistleblower Report from Truth for Health Foundation. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org sign up for our email alerts, donate to help us continue this fight to expose the lies and deception and to help provide legal defense for those who have been unlawfully coerced and threatened into COVID mandates and trapped in hospitals without treatment. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report with Dr. Lee for America, here with UK investigative journalist Johnny Vedmore. And we are continuing the Pottinger Identity and the Pottinger series that exposes Pottinger's role in many of the cover-ups over the last 50 years that have really rocked America from Watergate to Iran-Contra to the assassination of Martin Luther King and many others. And now, how is this and Potter's, Pottinger's role connected with the takedown of Jeffrey Epstein's empire? But then suddenly, Pottinger comes out on top again, now as the attorney representing the victims. It's all very bizarre. And very ominous. So, Johnny, let's talk more about how how this man who had such a role in covering up major scandals and had business dealings with Epstein, how is he now in the role of representing the victims?
1: How does a member of the Central Intelligence Agency, someone who's acted on skirting around law all over the place, how has he got involved in this? And no one mentioned it before. It's just bizarre. And I thought to myself, there's no way that I'm going to discover how Stanley Pottinger first got involved, who recruited him, who got involved, who approached who. I never thought that would be possible. But Bradley Edwards, who's it was Edwards Pottinger is a law firm that Pottinger had been representing until last month um so uh, edwards uh, bradley edwards is really important but he wrote um a book brad edwards did called relentless pursuit and i thought oh maybe he'll say something about stanley pottinger in there and he actually talks about the first moment pottinger gets in touch and tells me exactly what i already knew and i'll quote this now this is from i'm going to quote a couple of bits of relentless pursuit from you because this is a bizarre book this this bizarre book basically says that Stan Pottinger is a CIA agent and Brad Edwards is pretending not to know so Edwards writes I was at home in bed at eleven thirty on Friday night when my phone rang as soon as I said hello the voice on the other end went into a wind-up that eventually became familiar let me introduce myself the caller said My name is Stan Pottinger. I'm sure you get a lot of crazy calls about this subject matter, Jeffrey Epstein. But hear me out. I have a civil rights practice in New York. Before that, I was assistant attorney general for the civil rights division in the Justice Department in Washington. In addition to my own current work, I sometimes work on cases with David Boyce. I've been contacted to represent one of the victims of Jeffrey Epstein and have told David about it. We understand that you're an expert, we don't want to reinvent the wheel I call in to see if it makes sense to work together. Now, not many times in a case when you're investigating someone, do you come across the introduction that you were hoping that you would hear and that you knew exactly what it would be like. That's the introduction that Brad Edwards explains Stanley Partinger made to him when he wanted to get involved in the case. And he mentioned a guy, David Boyce. You, you pronounce it apparently uh, most people pronounce it Bowie's and then people think it's David Bowie so they get confused but David Boyce is one of the biggest um, uh, and most prominent solicitors in Amer- modern American history um, he's represented some massive people um, when I first looked into David Boyce who uh, is uh very aligned with Pottinger basically is pushing Pottinger to be involved with um, Edwards as well uh, but while not linking himself with Edwards completely either but um Boyce has a firm called Boyce Phil- Schiller Flexner which opened up in 97 but before that he was actually part of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation which was responsible for getting some of the money back and organizing money from Drexel Burnham Lambert group with Michael Milken and all of that stuff so obviously Boyce is, is straight from the off really like you know in with the big boys doing grabbing the big money um and eventually he ends up in um an anti trust suit, I think it's called, against Microsoft, uh, which they win. Uh, uh, and then he represents Al Gore uh, about the hanging chads in Florida in the the um, 2000 election. So Boyce is a big guy. He also um, has been found to use Terrible tactics and have these weird connections. So he represented um, Harvey Weinstein, where he um, got Unit 8200, Mossad linked former Mossad Israeli intelligence firm Black Cube, um, to uh, basically look for all of the information and contracted them to find all of the information about victims of Harvey Weinstein when he was representing Harvey Weinstein. So he obviously represents bad people, doesn't he? Voice as well as good people, because he's a lawyer. That's what they do anyway. But he was also involved in representing Hunter Biden at one point point. Um, and there's some real interesting links to Hunter Biden but I'm just I'm flushing those out those are the last things I've got to flush out at the moment it's very confusing I didn't expect to find them but Boyce is involved in everything including the Ferrano scandal Um, in a really weird way Ferrano's was a company that was set up by a young woman called Elizabeth Holmes who was 19 years old and claimed to have devised a method of testing blood samples that required a very small amount of blood um, and could be Done in no time whatsoever, but she was basically defrauding everybody. But on the um, board of Faranos were people like Henry Kissinger. There was actually no one on the board who was medically trained at all. And when Boyce started um, defending Faranos after she had been caught and become uh, started become a representative for them, he also. Bizarrely, became a member of the board, which you don't do when you're a solicitor representing a company. And everybody was questioning why are you obviously creating a conflict of interest? And it might have been just a distraction because David Boyce does that. Now, David Boyce, it turns out, as Brad Edwards would also mention in uh, Relentless Pursuit, also had connections with Jeffrey Epstein in 2005, on the year that he's getting arrested. The year he's getting arrested, they raid his house, and on the pad, yeah, in Jeffrey Epstein's house, is written "David Voice called. This is his telephone number. Call him back." So obviously, voice is in contact with Jeffrey Epstein on the year he's getting arrested when Jeffrey Epstein needs legal representation and needs to find people to do other things for him. Now, amazingly, also in Relentless Pursuit, it's made clear that when um, Edwards uh, agrees with Pottinger, now Edwards says constantly, oh, I'm suspicious, I I found all of his questions unnerving, he set off a bunch of alarms, he says all of these things, yet he gets deeper and deeper, he doesn't stop him getting more involved. Now, Bradley Edwards is are representing Virginia Gouffray and a few other victims at this point. And obviously, Stanley Parting and David Bowie, uh, Boyce are trying to um, become um, uh, attached to the case somehow. And even though Brad Edwards sees that it's a trap, he keeps going towards it he does not stop and there's some really interesting things because david boyce and stanley pottinger are actually based in the same building as jeffrey epstein's lawyer darren indyke so when edwards is is being courted and groomed to join stan pottinger and david boyce and 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 let them into the uh, epstein victims case they say oh come over to a place oh where are you oh, we're in these offices and it's the offices of jeffrey Epstein." legal team so obviously there's masses of connections so uh, uh, Boyce is is quite a big guy i mean representing people like harvey weinstein and stuff but the, the 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 language that um ed uh that the edwards use uses is amazing um he talks about the note and what he felt he was like when he found that when he discovered that there was a note in 2005 saying that Boyce should call epstein in his book he says was this a benign thing a return business call to a business call placed by epstein or was he as i feared epstein's lawyer a spy I mean, there was only one way to find out. So he goes, meets him. He uses an excuse and he buys this USB device to record the conversation um, and it all goes wrong and he doesn't manage to do it. Um, But then he decides to set up a, suddenly decides to set up a business practice with, um, uh, uh with stan pottinger and he calls stan when he's talking about setting up the big business pra- pra- uh, practice with him david boyce literally uses the term um that stan pottinger was in his view david boyce personal 007 um and and it gets even more bizarre and more bizarre and i'll explain that and um, i will i'll skip i'll skip to it now i'll skip to it let me tell you what happens when um uh Ed, Bradley Edwards and Pottinger go to interview, and this is within his book, go to interview um, alleged victim, uh, a former Epstein employer called Maria Farmer. And on the way back from meeting Farmer, Edwards states, I came to see that Stan is like the character, the wolf from Pulp Fiction. He can handle any situation for anyone at any time. Stan has this diplomatic quality about him that makes him able to blend into any situation in any country with very little background information at hand and accumulate knowledge. I asked him if David had hired him out of the CIA to be his operative because of his former high-end government connections and knack for traveling around the world to handle mysterious business meetings. He said he and David had become friends while playing softball on Sundays in Bedford, New York. I couldn't pitch and he couldn't hit, he said. So when the game was over, we were pretty much left alone to talk to each other. This sounded like a cover story. So I asked him, but are you in the CIA or are you not? He laughed hard enough to make the question sound ridiculous and said no he was not but I'm sure he didn't expect me to believe him. He then said if I'm James Bond I'm surely a poor man's version of him which of course is exactly what a real James Bond would say. We both started laughing and I honestly wasn't sure if we were laughing because it was funny or true. Now this is a really strange thing because Bradley Edwards, even in his book, admits eventually having eight years of meetings with Jeffrey Epstein in a coffee shop privately. Is so much crossover. Um, there's so many things that Pottinger and Boyce do in the case too because at one point in 2019 they invite in a guy called Patrick Kessler who they know Patrick Kessler is using a pseudonym and claims to have a load of videos of rich men in Epstein's properties doing extremely naughty things with young girls and so they basically um, work out a deal to make loads of money and work out how they can blackmail all of these powerful men and the guy who's defrauding them this Kessler guy even said well, it looks like they were just trying to run a blackmail operation. By the end of it, um, and goes and disappears off in 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 uh, to the distance. Is loads of things that Boyce and Pottinger do that scream that they are both involved in intelligence. And there is the, the, when I was talking about um, they met an alleged uh, victim of Jeffrey Epstein, I was talking about a woman called Maria Farmer. Now. How I ended up researching Stanley Pottinger in the first place was because of Maria Farmer, something not adding up, me investigating and discovering that she had had a prolonged relationship with Stanley Pottinger, that many sources, around five outside, uh, that that don't want to be involved in the case, but are involved in the case, some would be happy to say out loud in court if it ever comes to it, this fact. But um, they basically she was having a sexual relationship with Stanley Pottinger. Now, when I've discovered it, I thought she was having a relationship with his son because they're basically the same age. Maria Farmer's 50 and uh, uh, Maria Farmer's in the mid-50s and Matthew Pottinger's in about 50. Um, but it wasn't so, and I couldn't understand. It. And she was actually employed by Pottinger and Bowie's before she actually entered any affidavit in and her backstory began to be written about the epstein case so there is things that happened with maria farmer and her sister and i believe that her sister may well have been assaulted um before but maria farmer's story uh when investigated has led to um a load of problems because she said for years she was in hiding she had to be in hiding because she had gone uh, to out she was claims to have been the first person to have reported epstein to the fbi but the uh basically the fbi have no evidence of this and she ha- has only produced a document that doesn't actually say that she went to the fbi um so that's one problem so every time i've gone through each problem there's been an issue so she had said she went to vicky ward and her and her sister um claimed uh or that the epstein's explained about epstein's racket um and that vicky ward ended up doing a puff piece about epstein and not mentioning the allegations at all now some elements of this are true um but the problem is she said says she was in fear and she was in hiding but while she was in hiding i've also found her um exhibiting her art at the new york academy of arts annual take home a nude benefit in two thousand six and on the benefit committee is vicky ward And Guggenheim, who she said she's in hiding from, who's the first people that introduced her to Epstein and Maxwell. So it didn't make any sense. And uh, the more I looked, the worse it got. And so by 2011, I'm finding that she's got a Twitter account, she's got a Facebook account, and she's got a um, a website called MariaFarmer.com. So she says she's in hiding all over the place, but she's clearly not in hiding. And that's uh, obvious. But by 2017, um, they've created the Fed. Federal Anti Fraud Enforcement LLC, which is a private company, and Key Tam Consultants. And both of these are registered in Stan Pottinger's home in Twin Lakes, South Salem. And Maria Farmer is listed on their website as Chief Administrator of Website Services. And uh, uh, registered alongside Stanley Pottinger and Maria Farmer uh, David bowies and Brittany Henson, who works with Bradley Edwards and a few others. And it says she's got 30 years' experience of um, intellectual property design and talks about her and it makes it clear it's the same maria farmer and it's not until 2019 that maria farmer enters into um the actual fray and puts forward an affidavit in uh, in uh, virginia gufray's case against alan dershowitz and alan dershowitz well the legal team of jeffrey epstein would uh, of, of the opposing legal team to jeffrey epstein Partingham bowies and um and edwards wanted to get dershowitz off the epstein's um uh, team so they were targeting him and farmer um, um virginia guffray dropped all of the charges last year all of the accusations and said she must have made a mistake so obviously there's really suspicious things and again it revolves around stanley pottinger and so what happened afterwards after i discovered all this stuff uh, maria farmer went on basically um Uh, campaign against me uh what i i I suppose you'd call a crusade um uh, but but no one else had i hadn't said all of this stuff out loud this is the first time i'm revealing this but basically she's been saying really terrible things about me and and laying accusations but she's done it to loads of people and what i've got now is a load of people who i refer to as um victims of maria farmer because it turns out she was looking it looks like she was trying to infiltrate the independent media um in 2019 as the case against Jeffrey, as the takedown was happening um, and she did this very carefully and cleverly she got uh into a podcast with jason Bamas and one with whitney webb and she said some really spicy language she said some things about jewish people that were really terrible um in those interviews and then alan dershowitz even alan dershowitz himself was able to write an article saying look um jeffrey Ep- one of jeffrey epstein's confu- uh, accusers is a-, a terrible anti-semite but all these people are linked and it's really hard to under and understand um how you can both win settlement from a case yet never mention that you actually work for the legal team and the the, uh, the, the only other thing that i would say about uh maria farmer uh, that is really of note is that she was 24 when she set claims that epstein assaulted her and that breaks the criminal profile completely that basically she's one of the only people um who he assaults who's in their mid-20s they're, they're all between the ages of 13 17 18 at the most he reprimands people um on, on multiple occasions for bringing back girls who are 20 and 21 so there's the idea and the, her, her story it doesn't make any sense and there's loads of holes in and she worked for the legal team so now this is a big problem and it all links to stan pottinger and it turns out she was in a relationship with stan pottinger um now last month she, her and other people knew that this was coming to a head they knew that i knew about pottinger uh they i think they guessed it was pottinger or bowie's i knew about um and that i was going to do a piece about it and so the amount of stuff they they put out was unbelievable but um I I mean, it's been a whole crazy time. This has all been a crazy time because what I see is basically um, a CIA operation that was meant to do the same thing that happened uh, in the first Epstein case, which was to take control of every side and make sure that Epstein was not uh, in jail forever Uh, or Maxwell. Now we're just left with Maxwell. Now, now the rules of the game are really strange because the people who I've discovered are trying to influence me personally. Um, those people uh, are, are trying to all get the same person in touch with me. It's a person who's um, a part, a friend of uh, Maria Farmer, an associate of Maria Farmer. But what's really confusing is this person is um, is being offered by all sides. So pro epstein or maxwell camp and anti-maxwell and epstein camp so it seems like none of them are actually on a different side they all seem to be on the same side and i think that's really telling of what's going on this is an intelligence scramble to try and get the best out of a bad situation um this is also a distraction technique um to avoid you looking at the real intelligence uh the real reasons why jeffrey epstein would take was taken down and that also has a link to pottinger but i will have to explain that in the next time and um that's not written up yet but i i have a good gist of what's going on and um it'll be an interesting journey
0: well what what do you think is? Um... The next step with Pottinger representing the victims, I still don't understand how he can do that ethically under the rules of legal representation in the United States.
1: I think that's where the problem will come. I think what will happen, you will see him be distant slowly. You will see him say, "Oh, I'm, I'm not feeling so well, so maybe I'm gonna, I'm gonna step down from this." Um, and I think we've already seen a bit of this happen in, like, in June last year, um, uh, June this year. Sorry, so last month, uh, Edward's Pottinger uh, is, is no more. So it's Edwards and someone else now. And um, Pottinger is obviously doing his own, but he was filed on court dockets recently. But I think it's over. I think Pottinger is now in his 80s. He's done a very good job of what he's doing. Um, but he was brought out of retirement for a very important case. And he, I mean, I don't think anybody who's, uh, especially not the greedy people within the legal industry nowadays um nobody can uh not get involved in that case and not want to make some money from it you know so they all got greedy um and that that's what everybody's doing including like i i'm i i believed that and i gotta say this from a personal view i was really upset i believed maria farmer to be one of the most um inspiring people i'd ever met and it went from completely having all love for her um to being tagged in emails from her uh to her solicitors where she's calling me a homophobe because i won't um i I, basically i i I won't um i I, there was someone who wanted to go on the unlimited hangout podcast and i looked into them and i couldn't verify them um because they had seven to eight different identities um and they had multiple fraud charges and had spent a long time in prison and it wasn't the actual person and that's how kind of this whole thing started snowballing because i wouldn't verify that person i was a homophobe um and i was a nasty person and and she just spit bile at me and it's really sad because I just had love but then it made me realize there's something else there and that's led to all of this you know when people don't act normally I notice it and then I have to go and look into it Um, so I think there's a lot more to be found here I think the whole case is about to fall apart uh, in a way that is like this is just one of the many bottom cards that is about to be pulled away and the whole thing will crumble and tumble and you will start to see that all of these people will scatter and start to change their stories so with Virginia Gouffre saying alan dershowitz is no longer responsible for sexually assaulting her and she must have made a mistake that is a massive turn of events enormous and that happened at the end of last year so i'm expecting to see loads more things like that happen um people start to uh, keep screaming i've got evidence i've got evidence and no one ever produces evidence there's um a tape that um is apparently there's hours and hours um what's that uh Uh, Steve Bannon, he apparently has got um, hours and hours, 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 tens of hours i think it is of interviews with jeffrey epstein none of it's getting released you know they're waiting for us to see how much this story can be discovered by other people but it's people like pottinger and others who um employed people like uh farmer to basically um disrupt the independent media because they're the only ones doing the job anymore in investigating this people like me and you are the only ones reporting this um and and so that that's what they've been targeting, and that's what will continue, but it will continue in different ways.
0: Well, I I think you're right. I think the more that independent citizen journalists dig into the background and report the truth, the more the lies and deception begin to be unraveled. And I I really am very grateful, Johnny, for all of the work that you've done you've been tireless in your work on trying to expose these cover-ups and the nefarious evil threads connecting all of this that that has that has caused so much damage in so many people's lives over decades and we really do need to keep the pressure on and I want to have you back as soon as you're ready to talk about the next steps in these connections that you've been uncovering. And thank you for the quality of the research that you have posted. And I hope all of our listeners will go. Newspaced.com is Johnny Bedmore's website where all of these articles are located And where you can look at the details in all that he's been discussing on these three radio shows, we can't, I mean, the depth of the details is just truly um, (laughs) enormous. Um, I, as I start looking at it, I'm thinking, Oh my heavens, how did you put all of these pieces together? Mm. It's like a, not a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. It's more like a million pieces. (laughs) But the connections Mm -hmm. you've made are truly staggering and and very alarming, and we need to know. So thank you for bringing the truth to the public. And this is Dr. Lee for America closing this segment. We will have Johnny Vedmore back as soon as he has more information to bring us. Check out our website, truthforhealth.org. Sign up for our email alerts and donate to support our efforts to continue to bring you the truth against the lies and deception, and to bring hope and solutions. Silence in the face of evil is not acceptable, and God will hold us accountable. So, Johnny, thank you for being a loud voice against the forces of evil.
1: Thank you.